to be introduced so amazingly. <laughs> oh, it's really, really great to be here. Um, really, really lovely, yeah. I, I always feel like it's my second home, as I always say. And um, um, I'm, I've just been asked to share a little bit more about my first two weeks when I came to the, um, to the U.S., which was up in um, Burlington. I was up in Burlington, and... Um, it's interesting how I think if we say to God, I'll walk through the doors, God opens. If you open a door, Lord, I'll walk through it. And uh, so I was asked if I would come to Burlington and that I would work with uh, Bob Eckblad and his team at Tierra Nueva, which means New Earth, which is a ministry to, um, well, I call it... They're not now unwanted, but to the unwanted ones, um, the ex-offenders and the migrant community. And um, I've been amazed really to find that there's a, a corner in the lovely U.S. where there are people that are very, very broken and very, very poor. And uh, so it's been a real pleasure for me to go and learn and to go and land in the middle and to pray for many, many people and talk to many, many people there. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about that and, uh, and just link it in with something that some of us had um, uh, time together yesterday morning. And uh, we were talking about dusting off your dreams and uh, you know, God seems to, at the moment, be um, releasing the things that are in people's hearts that maybe have been buried for a long time, or we have thought we need to squash them for some reason. And um, you know, God is just wanting to release those things because it's like at the moment He's wanting to change the shape of the church, and He changes the shape by releasing different ones of us into all different areas. And in that process, the whole of the shape of the church has changed, which I actually find really exciting because it means that all sorts of different people are going to be touched by this wonderful gospel and the kingdom of God. Um, and so somebody, which was this, a guy called Bob Eckblad, followed the dreams in his heart, and that was to go and find the worst criminals possible in prison. And uh, so he's been visiting for 20 years, um, going and just visiting them and r reading the Bible with them. And he's written an amazing book called Reading the Bible with the Damned. And um, it's very, very moving. There are lots of stories in it, if you can get hold of it, written by Bob Eckblad. And um, um, basically he... In great simplicity, he, let, he just tells people a Bible story and says tell me what God is like out of this story. And then they begin to learn about God. And then um, many of them have become Christians and many of them miraculously have been healed in prison. And uh, real God really is at work there and moving there. And, uh, you know, you think, where is it that Jesus would have been? He would have been right in the middle of that place. He, that's where, he, you know, his heart for them is so amazing. And it's almost like his presence and his miraculous power is there in, in an even greater way than, than with us as, as we're living our normal lives. Um, and uh, the church that's grown out of that is a very interesting shaped church. 
Um, you never know quite what's going to happen or who's going to be there. Very um, People that have been rejected by society come uh, to that church. People that um, have been broken with drugs. And there's one guy in the middle of the church, literally every 10 minutes, he, he, he speaks as if his brain has really been damaged by drugs. And uh, he just gets up every 10 minutes he goes to the back, he gets water, and he comes and sits down again. But that's where he is. That's where he is. And uh, there's nothing tidy about it. And, uh, and yet in the middle of it, there's these amazing, amazing situations where people who've been completely transformed. And um, I was going to tell you about one guy who'd... He um, he's committed several murders and he's done really hard time in prison. And um, he found God when he was in prison. And, um, and the team have been working with him and walking with him. And every now and again, things come up again, as you can imagine. And we were asked to pray for a group of them. And as we were praying, he just couldn't stand it anymore. He, and he's been a Christian now for a while, but... Um, and he was so vulnerable, and he said, all I can hear are the voices of, of those I've murdered in my head. And, um, you know, you could see that it was this terrible torment to him. He, was, he has given his life to God now, and he you know, that was just such a torment. But you could, God wanted to set him free from those voices, you know. And uh, um, he was prayed for for several hours later that week, and he, the voices went. And so God's setting him free, you know. So even as we go, God is continuing to set us free. We don't, you know, his heart for us. If someone like that, who's committed something like that, God's got such a heart for them, how much um, also has God got a heart for us if we're struggling with something and he wants to free us even more to be able to share share his word and share the gospel. Um and I love the bit that where God goes to where he created these people who've gone terribly wrong. That's hard for us to get our heads around that, isn't it? Um, and he goes right back to who he created them to be. And he goes through all the layers of sin, all the layers of depravity. And he goes back to the heart of who that person is. And he loves them. And so he's wanting to pull them out and set them free. And um, similarly, with, with us, it's the same. And similarly, with our friends, it's the same. And uh, God's love for them is so huge. And he wants, he wants us to reveal the Jesus in us to our friends and to people who are around us. Um, Though it was one wonderful occasion was we had um, baptism in the river Skagit. And uh, four of the people that are really coming through were baptized. And uh, just amazing to see, A, the support from all of the people, even from non-Christians. Some of the gang members came and, and were there present all up the banks of the river watching the baptisms. And one lovely thing was... Uh, one of the ladies that had come out of prison had had, um, there were at least five children, if not more, that were of her children who were there, who all had different dads. They were all still quite small. And as she was baptized, she requested, she said, I would like my children dedicated to God. 
And so that was a very, very, very moving moment while different people just and herself just prayed over these children and dedicated them to God. Nothing is done in the right order. And I think that's one of the things that is about God. You don't know what's going to happen next. God is the great unraveler and he does it in his order. And it's really important that we don't put our mindsets, oh, we need to do this first and then this and then this. It doesn't seem to happen quite like that if we really let God loose with what he wants to do, which is really exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, it was wonderful as well. I did tell you about the lady that had been in um, solitary confinement, and the only thing she asked for was a Bible, and the only thing she read was Psalm 23. And when we were praying for her, Psalm, I just heard God say, tell her and read to her Psalm 23. Well, out of the whole of the Bible, that was the only thing she'd been reading in solitary confinement. She hadn't been reading any other book either. And it was just like she just knew God was on her case and God loved her so much. Um, and that, those sort of things were happening again and again when we were praying. But I think... Um, in, it just, I just feel that God is wanting to set us free. He's wanting to set us free and let us loose. On, um, He wants his presence to be available for others. They, when people touch the presence of Jesus, it is something they've never touched before. And I think sometimes what we've done is we've shut ourselves away and we've really enjoyed that presence. But God is wanting to say, my heart is for those, the unwanted ones. He's, that's what he wants. He wants the great God who is within you to be felt by people who aren't in this room. And, um, and it's not hard. We just have to be who we are. We don't realize his presence bursts out of us. We don't even realize that. But when people touch it, they really, really know the difference. Now, just to finish with, I had um, a, a picture many months ago of something, and I am so grateful that someone else has actually done this this morning because it's given me a bit of courage to do the same thing. Because I saw a picture of me singing over the church in, um, in uh, all of you. And, um, and I can't sing properly either, so... Uh, or whatever. No, that doesn't sound very good about what you did, but... <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, I just feel God is wanting to sing over you, and it proves it, doesn't it? If he had to do that this morning, and I'm going to do it as well, um, and uh, there's just something about him wanting to set you free. It's a song of freedom he's wanting to sing over you, and um, he's just wanting you to be free He's wanting you to follow him. Not him, he's wanting you to follow. Listen to what God is saying to you. And there is no um, end to where he might take you. Um, don't wait for, to be told. Go for what is inside of your heart. Just go for what is in there. Because the Spirit of God is the one who blows where he wants. So I'm going to try now. See what happens. We sing a song of freedom over all your people. 
we sing a song of freedom, set your people free, let them follow you, Lord, filled with your spirit, bringing life and hope to many, bringing life and hope to many. Set your people free, Lord. Your people filled with you. Set your spirit, set your people free, Lord. Set your people free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let them loose, Lord. People are so hungry, hungry for your love. They've never heard or seen you. May we take your love. People are so hungry, they need your love. Give us courage, Lord, give us boldness, Lord. Send your people, send your people, fill them with your courage. Fill them with your love. Amen. It's awesome that just seems like the reminder right now is uh, that joy is really important. Uh, I mean... Chuck started out, and the, the psalm that we read here this morning was a song of joy. It was a psalm, but it was actually in the form of a song. That was the first sentence on that. And then he sang, and Hazel sang, so I guess I'm going to sing for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but how much do we delight when we've been set free from something? And, and it's that joy that this thing is really about. It's, it's not about right and wrong. It's not about how we did something or how it was presented or, or, or to what depth or level were we impacted. And it's, God's about establishing joy. Interesting enough, the joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength. How do we go through life and go through the stuff that we need to go through without strength? And that comes from joy. That comes from a reestablishing of hope. That comes from uh, what Father wants to do uh, inside of us. And and I, and I don't care whether it's evangelism, whether it's being a witness and being a light and walking in truth and why we pray and do the things that God puts in our heart to do. And I just thank you guys for stepping out this morning and, 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 and to trusting the Lord to give you something as you would open your mouth. And uh, because because that's the real stuff right there. That's actually how a lot of the church was done in the book of Acts, right? Because they didn't have the canonized book here that we do, that they can just sit here and reference scriptures and go through all these teachings. It was had a more prophetic feel to it. So that's actually maybe more in line with where God actually was in the beginning. Interesting. 
So I wanted to just start out uh, this time here. We're going to go through uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24, uh, as a a part of just the equation that we're doing right now, going through the book of Luke. So that's what I'm teed up to do. But I thought, uh, I found this video. It it actually came, I wasn't looking for it. It came on Friday uh, to me, and I watched it and was incredibly impacted. And I think just even in line of what we've seen here this morning and, and just what the Lord is, is saying with just the joy that comes from restoration, the joy that comes when the kingdom meets our lives, the joy that meets us when all the broken places are given over because we're never good enough for the Lord, right? We can't ever earn it. That's what the Ten Commandments is about. Hey, do this right and then you're going to be worthy. Well, that's not what Jesus did. He came when we were still sinners. And on this side of the cross, he can't go to it again for the stuff that we did. And therefore, there's grace and it's there for us no matter who we are. So, John, if you just play this video real quick. And guys, just uh, you'll enjoy it. A normal Christian imitates Christ. Radical Christianity is normal Christianity. This is the normal Christian life. Let me introduce you to my friends, John and Pat. John and Pat have been saved for eight months, have been set free from drugs and alcohol, and let everyone know about it. His life is just going to be um, radically changed, so you're going to pour so much love in his heart, Lord Father God. John and Pat may be new Christians, but if there's one thing they know, it's that Jesus set them free, and that he can do the same for others. I've been addicted to alcohol for ages, man, and Jesus has come in my life and just took it away at an instant. Just took it completely away, man. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Cliff today. We've got open heaven right now. In Jesus' name we pray that whatever's holding him back, we command to come out in the name of Jesus. We believe Jesus will heal you. Uh, It's not going to help you. Oh, he'll help you. He helped me, man. He broke my addiction. I broke addiction. I got a... Yep. Now tell me because I've seen I've this seen the dog. It's is shattered. No, I believe I really got faith that he will heal you. Uh, he, he can make. I, I did all this. I've okay. Faith in okay. Do you mind if I just quickly pray for you for one minute? Yes, just, okay. What's your name? Mark. Mark. And where's the pain at the back right here? Lower just show. Back. Lower back. He's had a shattered back for about, I'm saying, 28 years or something that doctors couldn't fix. And we believe that now in the name of Jesus, for his um, stripes, we are healed, that the healing power right now is going to come in the name of Jesus. Because you love him so much, Heavenly Father. How does that feel? Can you move? Yeah, okay. You have no worries, man. We'll just um, share the love around him. That's what we do. No we worries, do Thank you very much, Mark. Share the love. Okay, yep. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark. Before letting Mark go, John wanted to pray for him again. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for Mark and his beautiful family. That you're going to pour so much love and, you know, there's going to be healing. I believe there's going to be healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, no worries. Try it again one more time before you go. We often see it just healed like that. Not joking. How's it feeling? Mark walked away with pain still in his back, but instead of creating theologies as to why he wasn't healed, 
John and Pat simply believe this. We just believe it. We've got that faith to go out and pray for everyone. And just because we love him so much, because Jesus, God so much loved us, yet he gave us his son, so we so much love him that we give ourselves for him. And instead of being discouraged as Mark walked off, these were John's words. I can feel something in his back when I was praying. Then the extraordinary happened. As he was walking off, he just came back and started screaming. It feels different. Yeah? It does. It does. Yeah? Feel lucid? Hallelujah. Whoa! No, Jesus loves you, brother. I just prayed for you. We got faith. It's Jesus. We don't do nothing. It's all His glory. We just pray. Go right down. Go right down. You can do that before. Yeah! Yeah, brother. Yeah, hallelujah. He loves you, man. No more painkillers, man. Did you feel something when we were praying? You can walk away, I'm Yeah. Fucking dance. Yeah. <laughs> hey, brother. He loves you, bro. He loves you. He loves you. Like this. He couldn't do that before. Oh, really? See, isn't that amazing? I couldn't bend like this, walk up the stairs like this. Uh, yeah. Uh, walk down here. Uh, it's cold, okay. I'm gonna go for now look. Oh, look. awesome. Yeah, yes. Yes. yeah, brother. Oh, he loves it. Serious, man. I'm not. Oh, I believe you, man. Yeah. He's been in that pain for years. Nothing. Nothing. He loves you. He loves you, man. He loves you. It's, it's, it's Jesus, man. It's Jesus. It's not me. It's, it's heaven, man. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, amazing. Wow! Hallelujah! Yeah, you did it, man. No, no, Jesus done it. No, Jesus is the magic. And he's trying to give me all the praise. It's all me. I just told him, no, it's all Jesus. Ah, serious? Jesus. This is. He couldn't do that. It was that much pain. For years and years. Whoa! Touched him. Yes. Doctors can't do that. No, 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 God can. He can do anything. The gospel means the good news, yet so many Christians hide it. But when the reality of God breaks into someone's life, the most normal thing is to share the good news, whether they've known God for eight months or eight seconds. Oh, this is awesome. Are you serious? This is serious, eh? Wow. We just believe in Jesus, man. We just believe that He's out there to heal people, and it's all through His name. I thought you guys are scaring me. You're asking if they're going to want money or something. I'm walking up the road. I feel the thing going on my back. Yeah. I'm going to go back. You need prayer, bro. You got pain in your body. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Jesus just healed him. Jesus just healed him because we believe in him. Serious. I couldn't touch. I couldn't win over. I yeah. Saw. No, sore. I'm not sore, mate. I'm it's him. All the glory goes to him, not me. It's all right, bro. It's all right. It's Jesus, man. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, man. It's Jesus, man. He loves you. He's what I hate, man. He loves you, bro. He loves you.
He loves you so much, man. I love you so much too, man. My pain's gone. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark today. Lord Father God, you knitted him in his mother's womb. God's not looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. I didn't believe that this guy prayed for me. And I'm healed. And I'm so happy. I've been in pain for years. And, and nothing else. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, Thank you. you that you've healed me. Thank you that you've healed me. Thank you that you're real. Thank you that you're real. Jesus is real. He's real. He healed me. God, come into my heart. God, come into my heart. I give you my life. I give you my life. It's yours. It's yours. Holy Spirit, come live in here. Holy Spirit, come live in here. From this day and forever. Amen. From this day and forever. Amen. Amen. Come on, Thank man. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Come Spirit, here, Jesus. Right. He's our Father. He loves uh, us so much. He's my Father. Now, this is amazing works of Jesus Christ. This is everyday Christian living that we pour out our love. Our, our job here on earth is to love everyone the same way Jesus does. Now, everyone watching this video right now, be imitators of Christ. It's now been three and a half weeks since yeah. we prayed for Mark. We contacted him yesterday and he's been... Yeah, that's good, right? Wow. Isn't it incredible that you can try to give conferences on, you need to go and share the Lord and be a witness. And you can try to convince people that they need to do it. Did that guy need convincing? He didn't even have the theology, but it was the joy from being set free that compelled him, I have to go share this with someone else. That's what took it. And he went and he and it transformed. I mean, you got to witness just a snippet of just this guy's life being transformed by the goodness of God. Because that's what this is. It's the good news. This is the goodness of God. That's what the gospel is about. They actually have a YouTube channel. It's called Normal Christianity. They're on my Facebook right now for friends or you know people who are friends. Just go look it up and become a fan. They've got cool stuff. There's like a deliverance. And I was watching last night this guy who was committing suicide and they found him and he was bleeding everywhere. And now he's set free and alive. And it's a totally different countenance on this guy. So just what an awesome way to get the testimony all over the earth from Australia, you know, here to Seattle. And, uh, and, and so I just thought that that was an awesome way for us to kind of begin this, to set our hearts and, uh, uh, and, and kind of just get that for a perspective and understanding here. So what we're talking about is the second mission trip ever, Luke chapter 10, second mission trip ever. Jesus had just in the previous chapter sent out his twelve. And, uh, and said, hey, you're going to heal people. You're going to go and proclaim the good news. And they came back and they were like, wow, all these demons are subject to us. And this is crazy. And, and how amazing is this that's going on? And he's just like, hey, 
you need to give glory to, to, to me in this thing. It's not about you. It's in my name that this, that this all went down. And now he's expanding it, not just from his 12 main guys. He's saying, hey, here's the 70. There was about 120 or so that they say were following Jesus like basically as disciples. They were there every day, all the time, just walking around and following. So this was 70 of them that he sent out. And so let's just go through this and, and uh, we're going to touch a couple of different points. But the thing I just want us to note just as we go through that we're holding on all the way is that when we discover that he's everything, we get a license to love. We get a license to be led. We get a license to release this thing in a way that brings life. So let's go from there. So after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So he's appointing them to go and do it and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. It's kind of interesting. Hey, I'm about to go here, so go ahead of me and and kind of break up some ground and and, and let them know we're, we're headed that way. And then he said to them, the harvest is, is truly great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And I could get off on that one, but i got to keep going. So go your way, and behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one along the road. Now, let me just stop there for a second. What was he saying? Hey, if you've got sandals, you've got money, you've got whatever, is that bad? No, he was actually trying to establish something in this trip, in, in this time that they were going to do something, and that is to lean fully on what the Lord is doing. And so as he goes into this, says, But whatever house that you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house by eating and drinking such things as they give, uh, as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wage. And do not go from house to house, for whatever city you enter, they will receive you, and each such things as set before you. Interesting, he mentions eating twice. Why? These guys came; they were Jews. Okay, they had certain laws and things that they had, and their culture that were a part of them. That when they went to like Gentile places, those would be stumbling blocks. Oh, sorry, I'm not going to eat pig. I'm not going to eat shrimp. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to touch whatever. That would have caused a hindrance. But no, he says, now I'm not as interested in your religious laws and the differences you have from the rest of the culture. I want you to be uninhibited. Whatever they've set before you, not the greatest and the best stuff, but maybe there's some of that, but maybe there's just some plain stuff. Are you going to be offended if it's just plain that's before you? No. I want your hearts to be in this thing with the people, that there's no stumbling block amongst you in that. And then he says, And heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Wait, heal the sick there? I thought, you know, you should just be, you know, given a good message, or what's the word that you're supposed to be coming and bringing? No, 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 I want you to heal the sick. He wouldn't have said that unless that was commonplace amongst their lives already. They've seen so many miracles. The, the, the lives of, of, uh, of those who were sent into this and those who were part of the early church, miracles were a very normal thing because they gave place to, for, for more of the prophetic stuff to happen. And they gave place for people to come with brokenness. I think it's so... One of the biggest challenges that we have right now in the Western world is we think that being a believer means that you do everything right all the time and you got no issues, no ailments, there's no stuff going on, there's no areas that you've got place for problems because, you know, hey, we've been set free where everything's good and wonderful. And it's like, no, 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 you're still going to need healing. 
We all need restoration. And we begin to hit these places along the way and saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to bring to them. You're going to heal some sick people. And let me just, let me just bounce into here in, 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 in Romans 15 real quick. This is Paul. And Paul is, is uh, you know, going along and he's in Romans and he's, and he's talking about all the wonderful things that he's doing and he's, being, and he's gone to the Gentiles. And in this part in Scripture here, he's saying, hey, I'm doing all these different things. And he's about to tell us how he's fully preaching the gospel of Christ. Now, if you think about it, if, if Paul made this statement, which he does right here in 19, he says, hey, I fully preached the, the, the kingdom, the gospel of Christ, when I've done this. We probably would have banners in our walls that say, hey, I'm doing this thing and I'm preaching the full kingdom, the full gospel, right? We might have churches that say, hey, I've gone into a city, I've fasted for three days, I've heard the word of the Lord, and now I'm bringing the word of the Lord to the people. That's the full gospel. Or maybe the full gospels, I've memorized every word, and I'm going to stand in a soapbox and verbatim, line by line, connect every word and say, now the full amount of the gospel has been preached. If that's what he said right here, that's what we'd be doing. Here's what it says. In mighty signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around from Eliakram, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. In signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, this is how the full gospel has come. Now when we depend, we can't, we can't control the Holy Spirit. And, and, and there's people that talk about this in greater eloquence than I can. And they say, because we can't control the Spirit, we don't put that up on our wall in the same way. We don't have that as the name of our church, the Signs, Wonders, and Miracle Church or something like that. Uh, we don't hold these things as the tattoos that we get on our arm uh, because we can't control it. And if He doesn't show up, then we might say, well, maybe, you know, you need something else. And, uh, uh, and so all that to say, the gospel without this ain't the full gospel. And that's the point. And Jesus shows us organic Christianity here in Luke 10. We're into organic right now. We're into the unadulterated, non-inhibited stuff. Organic Christianity, the organic mission strip. Here's what it looked like. Okay. Verse 10, But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The very dust in your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near to you. I want to note that one for a second because that can seem like a really hard word. Hey, you didn't receive us. You didn't wash our feet, so we're just going to wipe the dust off our feet from your city and, and just know that the kingdom of God has come near and, uh, you know, there's some trouble going to come if you don't repent. Here's the reality. That's love. If done in humility and with grace and with the right heart, that's truly in love with meeting the need of the people. And so that's what he was trying to say. He's like, yeah, you got to let them know that if they're not receiving this, that, that this is what follows some of that. But listen to the verses that follow this because they're, uh, they're a really big deal. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the day of Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah, the worst place on earth as far as sin, than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. 
but it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Hmm. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears me, he who, wait, he who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent you. Here's what Jesus is saying in this. These three cities that he noted were, one, his home base, and the other two were where he spent most of his time healing people and bringing the kingdom and, 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 and sharing all these wonderful messages that we read here and read. Why is it going to be more tolerable for, for Sodom or these two other Gentile cities who he says he didn't go to, but had he, there would have been a bigger change? See, because... The gospel was living in those cities to some extent. There were some people that were impacted. There was a culture that was seeing this stuff, and they were becoming aware of its existence and, and, and more warmed up to it. But what he's saying is it's not about the amount of light that you project, the amount of life that is being witnessed amongst you. It's the amount of light that you've rejected. Hello. They saw the true light in the fullest of what it was, and they decided only to take pieces and parts of it rather than to embrace it fully and give their lives to it. And as a result of not projecting all of the light that Christ had done and only wanting parts of it, that's why they were going to have a harder judgment. When we receive a word... When these messages, they're not just done for the sake of filling time on a Sunday. They're to impact our lives in a way with a relevant word for the time that we're in. And when they do so, we now become accountable to a new thing in an awesome way. We want greater revelation of the Lord, right? Why do we want it? Is it just for us? Is it just so that we feel good, have a couple of chills, maybe fall on the ground? Feel good about it. It tickled our ears. I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I'm really getting fed here. Or is it to make us like Christ? Right? I mean, like the name of Christian means I'm a follower of Christ. I've identified myself with Christ. Therefore, I'm a Christian. One thing wonderful that was said at family camp, I just wrote this down, was... uh, If you have a needs-oriented mission, you will burn out and fail. What motivated the disciples was to go out and claim all that his blood had paid for so that the people were reached because Jesus deserved it. If this thing is about us getting a name, establishing a church, four walls, some specific thing, we have greatly missed the point. When we focus on serving, it comes down to us getting accolades. The only motivation that fills is that you're doing this because Jesus deserves this. When you gain this heart, you'll find that you're not thinking about yourself and you're now ready to be used by the Lord. I had a vision a couple, I don't know, three weeks ago. I didn't know what to do. It It was like a dream. I'm kind of the last guy to get this type of stuff, but when I get them, I kind of pay attention. And so uh, I had seen there was um, this church building, and I felt like it represented us, but it was bigger than us. Uh, and I saw this church building that there were some storms that were coming and, and, and were hitting them. And one by one, the walls of this building, where that was actually a church, 
were actually knocked down. And, uh, and so there was like no roof, no walls. And then there was just this group of people kind of huddling together, trying to stay warm, like through the storm and try to stay protected. And I was like, oh man, this is a devastating thing. And then I began to watch and some time went on and the sun rose and, and then there was some people that started from the community just walking by and they were looking at him. They were like, what are you guys doing? They're like, you're just like huddling in this foundation and you're, and you're not, you're just huddling. You're just kind of like piled on each other, trying to stay warm and whatever else. And the, and the people were walking their dogs by and they were doing whatever and they were, and they were just looking at this and they were like, what, what is that? And then I woke up. So I've had a chance to kind of chew on that a little bit. And um, uh, I, I, can, I really believe that the, what the Lord's saying is that He's saying, hey, I'm removing the walls of structure. I'm removing the, the walls of the different systems and things that you've been a part of that have captured your attention and have brought you inside of a building. I am more concerned about you going out and being in the community to those who are asking the question about, hey, what are those guys doing in there? That doesn't seem to make sense. Oh, great, you got this awesome little thing on the inside. But what happens when the walls are removed? What happens when that... Does, does our theology and everything that we've done now break? Or is that actually supposed to be how we were operating, where we were? So I want us to just in this time, and we'll finish with this at the end, is... We need a commission from the Lord to hear God for the next things and where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. Like what Hazel was doing up in, hey, I'm coming from Basil Stokes, England, and I'm going to Bellingham to go and hang out with some people that were convicts and murderers and whatever, and they need some hands laid on them to get some demons set free, and, uh, and now they're going to be able to rejoice and be whole and receive the whole gospel. We just got to understand that when we get these revelations and when we see these things, there's a whole level now of accountability that comes to it to actually receive them. We can't just dabble in here, there, everywhere. Jesus is worthy of our whole lives, our everything, even the part where it's painful, the part where I'm offended by someone and the Bible says I have to love them. I can't forgive that person because of what was done to me. In order for us to receive the forgiveness of Christ, we have to forgive others. That's a big deal. If that's something that's a struggle, you've got you to gotta let that go. Because this is, this is the stuff that holds us back from actually being the Lord's. Just to throw that in there. This just in. Verse 17, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're psyched like this guy in the video. They're like, oh my goodness. But wait a second, he said heal the sick and do all that stuff. Well, he's talking about demons getting cast out. They're talking about rulers of this air that have been oppressing people. Man, we saw this thing flee. They're so excited. And Jesus says, yeah, I followed you. I saw the whole thing in the spirit. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority now to trample serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemies. Nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
Now, let's not get off here and think, hey, I got my fire insurance. I'm now saved. I'm not going to burn. And everything's good because my name's written in heaven. No, this is about my name is known to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ gives us His name. We take it as a Christian. We take His name. Don't take it in vain. We take His name. And, and, we, and we walk out now His life as representations of who He is. Amen? Amen? So then it goes into, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, He rejoiced. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one whom the Son wills will reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it. And not to hear what you've heard, but you've heard it. And Jesus is saying in this, you guys are having the opportunity to witness that which everyone who's lived before you has wanted to see. Now we have Romans 8. What does it say in Romans 8? It says that all of creation... Is doing what? It's groaning. It's groaning. All of creation is groaning and waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. They're waiting for us to become the sons of God. They had an old covenant where they had to do the right things to be right with God. God lives here now. Whoa. He lives in us. His desire is to move through us. His desire is to speak through us, to bring words of life through us, to bring a witness of hope and truth in whatever way that that looks. How incredible, how incredible, how absolutely incredible is it what we have? And what a lie of the enemy, what a lie of the enemy to distract us or to to distract our minds to try to say, hey, there's something that's better out there for you to be doing in this temporal earth. Lord, I need to ask forgiveness for that because so often I'm distracted by all the stuff and all the things and I'm not focused on the truth of who you are and what it is that's your mission. I appreciate what Hazel was saying. Is like, hey, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just even going to sing here because I saw it. And that is because we need to be led. A people that are led find themselves where the enemy gets in the crosshairs and we pull the trigger. We don't need to go and look for it. We go through life and we do the different things. Opportunities come up. Someone's walking with crutches and you get the nudge and you go say, great, I need to pray for you. Hey, here's a guy who's causing up a storm and he gets healed. What a testimony for Jesus. Was because he was cussing, did that take it down? Did that remove the test? No, it's amazing. This is incredible. This is the fullness of the gospel that gets released when we walk in this. Yeah, it's very exciting. Another thing that I picked up from camp that I thought was really important is said uh, that we've been playing church like an ill-taught piano student, more afraid of missing notes than playing music well. We've been playing church like an ill-taught piano student, more afraid of missing notes than playing music well. 
Wow. It's not about making mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen. In fact, if someone comes up and gives a word, and the elders can correct and clean all this up after I leave. But, uh, but if someone comes up and gives a word and misses it on some level, that's, that can be corrected. That can, that can be adjusted, and we can figure those things out. I'm actually more concerned about the real word of the Lord coming forward than it gets a little messy time to time. Right? It's not about missing notes. It's, it's, about, it's about bringing forth what the Lord really wants to do. Obviously, there's a level of accountability that comes with that, too, that we have to walk in when we, do, when we are vessels and we, and we do give words and we, and we do witness in life because, because you know, people are looking at us and, and we are giving a witness whether we want to or not every day, all the time. How am I doing? Okay, not bad. All right. I've got a, uh, a, a one last little deal here. Uh, it's a it's a song, not that I'm going to sing. Um, it's a, it's a song that uh, Corey Russell from the International House of Prayer put together, and um, it's about six minutes long. And I just want to encourage you to just open up your heart right now in light of everything that we've been discussing, that we've been talking about, because he's talking about witnesses. He's talking about this verse right here where it says, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. So the question is, what does it take to become a laborer? What does it, what does it mean to actually be a laborer for the gospel? There's a lot of people who would name the name of Jesus. There's a lot of ministries going on in a lot of different capacities. But what does it truly mean to be a laborer of the Lord that, that is going to be used it takes 100% of a laborer in order to be a laborer. There's not a part-time job in that. He's, he, in fact, he's, 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 he's hiring uh, right now. The Lord's hiring uh, laborers. And, uh, and he's never going to stop, okay? So there, there's, there's no job deficit there. Um, but, uh, but let me just, just play this. And then I think what we'll do, just in, in kind of closing... And I know some folks got to run and, and, and whatever else. But if you just take a second to respond to this, just, if we can just take a second to just pray, I, I really believe that what God wants to do is He wants to recommission some of the things that have been on our hearts for all these years that have been sitting dormant on the shelf with dust. Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's something that, that He wants to just put within us. I just want to see us activated. Whatever the answer is in your own heart, in your own life, is the answer that God's going to give you. But... But he's asking for a response within this. And so let me just play this real quick, and then uh, we'll, we'll go into that. Jesus, he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. From heaven's perspective, what does it mean to be a laborer? What does it mean to be a true laborer entrusted with something from heaven? I want to tell you that there are few laborers in the earth right now. There are few laborers in the earth right now. Few people in the earth that when a man or a woman comes into a city, the city is trembling underneath the weight of the power of the word. These men are turning the world upside down. It's not a fanciful idea. God is restoring this ministry. God is restoring this apostolic ministry in our day and in our time. 
that turn the world upside down, that preach another king, and that preach it with signs and wonders, and that go to the links and the depths of love, that walk as he walked. Let this thing strike down all your ideas of how anointed you are. How many things you have going for you? Let this strike you to the core, to where all it is you hear these words screaming through you. There's few from heaven that I can trust myself to. There's few from heaven's perspective that I can take the deep mysteries of my heart and give them to human vessels and let them manifest my son in the earth. That's a holy thing. I mean, the laborers are few. What an indictment in our day when we have churches on every corner, ministries on every radio station, TV station, people everywhere, and there are few who are really standing in the place worthy to be a laborer. This is a very sober and weighty thing to be trusted with the gospel, and it's not a light thing that God just hands out. I don't think we understand the holiness and the, and the awesomeness and the fear that God puts upon His mysteries, that God puts upon the gospel. This is a holy thing, and I tell you, God just doesn't throw it around to any passerby. These are the mysteries hidden within Himself. It's the very mystery of Christ. And I tell you, He wants to reveal and manifest it into real human vessels. He wants to grip us with Christ. Now, this is about human vessels being the embodiment of Christ in the earth. That's what this thing is about. Christ manifesting through His body, which is the church. There is one plumb line. There is one doorway into being a laborer. There is one occupation. There is one qualification. There is one place to where a laborer is born, is nurtured, and, and matures into it in the place of prayer. He says, pray. We feel the calling of an evangelist. We feel the calling of, of a singer. You feel it. Whatever. Because I want to tell you, I want you to be wounded with a higher thing than having a nice CD, than having a nice home group, or having a nice outreach, and whatever it may be. Your nice little dream, would you blow it? Because God wants to take it a million times more. He wants His Son manifested in the earth. If we could just lay down that which we think defines success, that which we think defines popularity, that defines or the dream of our heart. And raise up Christ in us. Sending out laborers, guys. That's what we want to cry out for. We want to send it. We want a baptism of fire, for real. I don't want a little... When I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where I have a couple of tongues and I fall down. Guys, we got to get a higher vision. No, no, we got to get a high vision. High vision, real baptism of fire. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then there shall be witnesses. Witnesses. Guys, I tell you, it took 120 people to turn the whole world upside down. For the sake of the, the nations of the earth, isn't it? It's about His fame and His glory in the nations of the earth, isn't it? This is not about us and our little agenda and our little things. This is about His name and His fame in the nations of the earth. He wants to catch us up and set us free from us. And guys, I want to tell you that there is a true sending from heaven. That there are real days and real history and real times to where we come in one day one way and we leave another. I tell you, you can't tell me all throughout history that you are living for one day that will change everything. You look at one time in Scripture, there are those one, there are those encounters that take people from being foul-mouthed fishermen to being apostles of the Lamb. There are encounters with God that take Ezekiel. There are encounters of God that take Isaiah from showing back up in the temple to being one, longing to be a sent one. There's ones that take Jeremiah from being a, a dorky youth into being his hand touched by the hand of God. Moses with a burning bush. Time and time and time again, we are contending for ascending. If we get sent, people will bend. For real, we have been so used to seeing no one bend at the gospel. If we would contend for the high vision, God says the high vision is you being sent before the throne. Voices proceeding from the throne. I want to be a voice that proceeds from the throne. I want to be a 
sent one. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. Real human being, a real vessel containing four witness to the light that all through him might believe. Real vessel. May this wound us. I have nothing to give. I have no neat networking idea, no neat ingenuity way to reach anybody. I can't do anything, God. And he wants to drive that down more and more and more and more until it strikes us at our core. And to where that is where true prayer begins to give birth. And that's a creative prayer. That awakens something in heaven and trusts himself to people. That we need God and God alone. That you are our only hope. Christ. Christ. Jesus is the hope of the nations. Jesus is the hope of the nations. You are the hope of the nations. Jesus, you are the glory of the Father. You, Jesus. Oh, it's Christ in you. Christ manifesting through you. It's Christ. That's the high vision. We ask you, Jesus, would it please the Father? Oh, God, would it please you again? Would it please you in this day, God? I tell you, another abortion going on right now. God, another affair. Another divorce paper. God, more and more and more injustices. Another rape right now, God. It's not okay. It's not okay that I live on the fringes of this religious system, God. And I haven't gotten wounded. And I haven't cast myself upon the wisdom of God. God, forgive us. I think probably the best thing that we can all do is we can all activate. And uh, I think it makes sense right now to to split up in like groups of five-ish and just take the next five or ten minutes, the next five or ten minutes as a group, and to begin to just cry out and to pray.